0: Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. The best that I can tell, the job of the preacher is usually to do one of maybe four things, three or four things. Sometimes the job of the preacher is to warn. We see that with Noah, right, in the Old Testament. To warn the people that that there is something that that God is concerned with. Sometimes the job of the preacher is to give hope. Peter stands up in front of uh, the Jews there on the day of Pentecost and says, let me tell you the good news about this man that's been crucified and who he really is. Sometimes the job of the preacher is to question, like David in the Old Testament. David gives us way more questions than he does answers. He has some good answers in there, but there's way more questions. Sometimes the job of the preacher is to say, here's something that maybe we need to be pondering about. Sometimes the job of the preacher is to, to instigate a thought or conversation. Paul does a lot of this in his writings, where he says to them, "Um, here's a word from the Lord, but you need to think about it. You need to consider it. You need to wrestle with this on your own. I say all that to you this morning to say that I have no idea which of those four categories what I'm about to say falls into. Maybe all of them, maybe none of them. But it's something that God, I think, has laid on my heart, and it was really a combination of um, a, a message that I had been feeling for a couple of weeks, probably, that, that I should share, really, especially over the last week, week and a half, and then a series of um, assessments and checks and questions in my own spirit that I think God and I have been going around a little bit about. Um, This week and so it's kind of a combination of those two things. I'm going to ask you to bear with me I have two confessions to make to you this morning They're not really new. I've probably mentioned them before But I want to talk about them a little bit first You probably know this about me But I am not and and this isn't a confession like it's something wrong. It's a confession just like it's an admission I am not a highly uh, emotional person. Um, I don't get worked up, and the older I get, I say that like I'm old, I kind of am getting there, we're starting to see 40 from where I'm at, The, um, uh, the less emotional I probably get. And... Because of that, and it's just the way God wired me, I think, um, I have been wanting and seeking and desiring on and off for a long time for our church that God would move among us, but not exactly sure what that would look like. Not exactly sure what it means for God to move in Hudson, to move in our hearts, to really speak to us. It's happened down through church history at different times. It happened in Acts chapter 2. We see it happening in other places in the New Testament. I know that God does it. I'm not exactly sure what it would look like. On the, the, because of that I, and because of my wiring, I have not only been wanting that, but I have, on the other hand, been worrying that I would try to conjure up some moving of God and create it uh, to be able to say that it happened. And while I don't know if I'm in danger of doing that, it has happened in church history before, lots of places, lots of times we've seen things kind of um, instigated by people and blamed on God. And sometimes I think he'd rather we just kept the credit to ourselves because it really wasn't so much about him. And then the third thing that happens to me a lot with this, this idea that bounces around in my mind is that I want God to move. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I, 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 I don't want to conjure it up. And I tend to be skeptical, standing off to the side sometimes, wondering if things that look maybe like God is moving are really him or if it's really just us taking effort into our own hands. I'm just being honest with you. I'm, I tend to be a skeptical person about that. I grew up in a movement and in a time where I saw a lot of movements of God that could be switched on and off like a light switch. And that always confused me. I've been in church services, and I'm not saying that they weren't genuine. I'm just saying this was what I grew up with. I've been in church services where when the music started, the Spirit apparently just came. It was just the music's on, now it's happening. Or the preacher starts praying, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And when the prayer was over, the song was over, or whatever, then it was done. I've been in services, some of you have been in services, where... The indication of whether or not God had really moved was whether or not we were able to keep the preacher from preaching that morning because God was moving in other ways. And so we would have great services, no preaching. I'm not saying that's a personal offense. I'm just saying I am a preacher and I sometimes stand off a little bit skeptical. I've seen things in Bible college. I've seen things as a kid. I've seen things even as an adult where I just, oh, and I felt guilty over it Sometimes. But I think some of you might identify with what I'm saying where I would stand off and go, "Mm, I'm not sure if that's really God or not. And maybe you see things from time to time in your own life or you see churches or things and you hear things. You're like, I don't know if that's really God. I can remember, I went to camp meeting. I went to camp meeting and there was, I don't know all the details and I don't wanna judge her intentions because I think that she was genuine in what she was feeling but I went to camp meeting the year that some young woman took it upon herself to a parade with a flag up and down the aisles during the, the worship music portion of the service. And I got the feeling because I know a thing or two about planning services that she hadn't been invited and that nobody really knew what to do, but nobody really wanted to quench the potential passion that she had. And so all I could think about was not the, um, our God is a great God or or uh, how he loves us. All I could think of was you take that stupid flag out of here because it's distracting me. I'm just being real. And I feel guilty about it because maybe God was saying, What? What if I told her to do it? What's that got to do with you? Why don't you focus on why you're here? Um, so I didn't go back. Um,. So while these things go round and round in my mind and I'm bouncing like a pinball sometimes, I still know that he wants to work. And I read things in scripture that show the majesty and the power and the glory of Jesus. And, and I think about him and I, I am overwhelmed by him. Uh, I, I do have those moments where, um, where those are very intimate experiences for me, but going back to my confession, I'm just not a very emotional person. Now, you don't know this. Not many of you know this. I don't even know if Carrie knows this, but there are times that Jesus and I get after it here in the auditorium on a late Saturday night when I'm getting ready for a worship service uh, for the next day, and I'm, I know what I'm preaching about, and I'm finishing putting the details together, and, and he moves on me, but, it, but it's a very internalized experience for me. <sighs> And so I'm left saying, God, I want you to stir up a deep, deep thirst for you. I want to be satisfied only by you. I want our church and our community and all of the churches in our area that we have some connection with to be stirred by you i'm not really looking for some specific expression of that stirring i'm not saying it's got to look like this or it has to be like that i don't even know what it might be i just i know that i want to be in a position to say jesus if you want to be up to something that i want to be we talked about this on wednesday night i want to be in the place where you're moving that's all if you're going to move i just want to i just want to be ready for when you blow past me that's that's all that i want I can remember a few times in my life where God settled in in places where I was. Interestingly enough, they were not really um, they were not really experiences where that was the moment where you would have expected God to show up, perhaps, but He did for me. I can remember being in a music concert. Um, some of you might remember the the singing. Uh, family it was just a married couple uh terry and barbie franklin i don't know some of you probably know that name but they came to the little town that i was in when i was a young not like a toddler child but when i was i was you know probably not yet a teenager and and i can remember being in that concert it was a good concert but you know it was more really probably about for my parents than it was for me but i can remember i don't even know why but i remember before that concert was over them basically stopping everything else and saying who wants to be serious about turning their life over to jesus and i can remember i can remember that feeling not the music not even the words but just the desire for god it's been probably a decade or more, it's been more than a decade, I am sure, ago now that we were in a revival service, a, a series of services, maybe you would say in the interest of revival, at the Nazarene Church in Hillsdale where Carrie and I went before we came here to pastor And I don't remember the woman's name. I don't remember what she preached about. I don't remember really anything that she said. But I remember that at the end of that service, God came upon my heart in a way that said, Wesley, you better realize how much you need me. And it broke me. Don't remember a word she said. I can remember a couple of years ago being in a little, a little church at the Dino Piano Concert and a church that had no business holding as many people as they packed in there. This was pre-COVID. And I can remember the guest that was traveling with him that only came out to play about two, three songs, playing a song that I have heard since I was a child. down from his glory. Ever-living story. My God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. And the chorus sang the simple words, oh, how I love him, how I adore him. And I was overwhelmed by something that I had heard a hundred times in church services growing up. I can remember being in this church standing right here when, for some reason, on a particular Sunday, God spoke to me about inviting people to be prayed for individually. And the line stretching from here to the back of the sanctuary, which isn't particularly far, but when you have to take time to pray individually for every person in that line, it starts to look a little bit long. And I can remember... I can remember our brother Ron standing right here, shaking and crying that he just wanted Jesus to never leave him. Clearly, God doesn't need my help to do whatever it is He wants to do. So, as I have been thinking, and these all these are, you know, um, these are all things that stick in the back of my mind. It's what's that uh, the movie the kids have about all the emotions the, that exist inside the girl's brain, and what's that called, Matthew? There you go, inside out. And there's the, mem- the memories, you remember? The memories, how important those are. Those are things that are you know stuck in my memory bank. Something else has been happening. Several months ago, we had been doing a little series of Sunday evening prayer services here. And as part of that, on a couple of occasions, Carrie had read part of the book for us, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, written by Jim Cymbala from the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. I've read the book before, I know what it says, but it stirred my thinking again. Then a few weeks ago we went away with the kids for a couple of weeks and we began reading with them the book In His Steps. If you don't know that book, you need to get it and you need to read it. We haven't even finished it with them. I don't want to spoil it for them, but I know I know where the book goes because I've been through the story many times and it it just began to convict me again about the question, do I really want what Jesus wants? Then, because God apparently hadn't had enough of my attention, a few weeks ago, there was a gathering of pastors down in um, Orlando, and all of the pastors of the Wesleyan Church and their spouses were encouraged to be there. Don't tell Carrie I said that. We didn't go. And um, it, was, it was we were encouraged to go. Um, there, there were a few issues of why we couldn't. Um, but... Uh, Steve Deneff, who was one of my preaching heroes, spoke at that service, and I watched the video. I'm in the middle of re-watching it for the second time of his message and in that message he said that for god to move and he was speaking to pastors but but i think it is applicable to the church that some of the most important work that we are ever going to do with god is not in an auditorium or on a platform it is not in our offices it is in the place where we wrestle with god because it was when jacob wrestled with god that he was eventually blessed Then, we got a, a video recording that I shared with our board this week from our district regional superintendent, Chris Conrad, where he felt led to speak about the importance of discerning what God's up to and where God's moving. This came out probably last week, maybe a week and a half ago. And that started to speak to me and to convict me. And all the while, I'm wanting, God, what do you want to do? Do you want to move? How do you want to move? What what are you up to? And at the same time, thinking, God, don't move in any crazy ways because you know that I'm not going to believe it's you. And I'm just trying to wrestle with all of this in my mind. (sighs) Feeling sometimes like a failure. This is not an admission. like, I want your pity. Please don't give me your pity. But sometimes I feel like a failure to you, to my family, that I'm really good at doing all the stuff that has to be done, but I'm not so great at doing the things that lead to the things that need to be done? That How many of the conversations that I'm having with you right now have none of you ever heard and have sometimes my family never heard from me? And why haven't they? Some of our prayer endeavors and our prayer meetings, even on Sunday nights, seem to not have really gone anywhere, and I wonder if that's me or if it's just not what God wanted to do. I don't know. And then I got to thinking, you may or may not have heard this week that there are reports coming to us that revival has again broken out on the campus of Asbury University down in Wilmore, Kentucky. If you are familiar with church history, you know that a massive revival happened there in 1970. The word is that there is a chapel service that has been going on there for four or five days now that is not really about music and not really about singing and not really about um, anything structured. It is about people being convicted for their sin and wanting to reconcile relationships and get right with God. I don't know what's happening. I don't, I'm not there. I don't have to pass judgment on it, but, but it's happening. And so I've been thinking just all about this. I feel like I'm caught because I want God to move. But if I, if I want him to move, I know my tendency is to overstructure. I love a good structure. You can't, get, you can't find anything that I couldn't put a little structure on. I love a good organization, a good committee, a good, a good agenda. My poor board members, all of the board members. So I know that I tend to overstructure. Even the last year or so, I've been trying to lay out a structure for what does a discipleship process look like in our church, and that's important. And I've been, I think that it is going to be something that I have to finish putting together. And, but I don't, I don't wanna make it just about the structure And then I'm also wrestling because I tend to doubt and wonder about God moving and the emotional feelings that come with that, even while sometimes I envy them. So I have noticed that there seem to be four things that usually happen whenever God is moving in an individual's life or in a church or in a community. And I just I want to reflect on them this morning. First of all, people wanting to be in the movement that God is doing and not in the movement that they're creating. That is usually one indication that God is up to something. It's usually not what we have planned. Secondly, there is usually a conviction for sin, the, the ways that we have gone off on our own. Third, there is a desire for God's word and prayer. And those things usually precipitate any moving of God. Fourth, the moving of the Spirit really is not scheduled of time and it usually is not curtailed. And when he is through, he's done. And there's not a whole lot that you can do to keep it going. What I really want for us for a church, and I promise you we're going to get to Amos here in just a second, but what I really want for us as a church is not to try to force God into doing something, but also to position ourselves to be ready if he ever decided to move in some way. And I don't just mean among us collectively, I mean in your life tomorrow, when you go to work, when you're with the family, when you are about your business, if God decides to move you in a certain direction, are you going to be prepared to hear him? Now, I don't know all of your stories this morning. I don't know everyone's spiritual position, and that's okay. Some of you might be questioning. Some of you might be answering. Some of you might feel like you're right where God wants you to be. Some of you may not even know if that's something you need to be concerned about. That's perfectly acceptable. I understand that God's got us all in different places, but I want to be in the kind of position where if he decided he wanted to do something with me, I would not be standing in his way. Dennis Kinlaw, who was the president of Asbury Seminary back in 1970, when the first revival struck there, said he thinks that maybe the reason that revival came to Asbury would be because they were so desperately in need of revival, that things were so bad that God had to break in and straighten some things out. I found that interesting. So, For all my theological training, for my 16 years of pastoring, for all of the connections and relationships and reading and and sermons I've watched and been a part of and preached, I have nothing to point you to this morning to resolve this tension that I feel in my heart except this. Christianity in the New Testament era has always been about a focus on the word of God and prayer. I don't have anything else to point you to. A few weeks ago, I asked those of you that were here and those who were joining us online to respond to my message by reflecting on things that you needed to input into your spiritual life or that you needed to get out of your spiritual life in order for God to be able to move a little more freely. Do you remember that? And many of you came down and you put cards right in this basket about people you were praying for, but also about things that you felt like God was speaking to you about. I don't know who wrote what that's in that basket. No one else has read them, but I have gone through and read them twice. And I'm here to tell you that the noticeable majority of the responses said something like this. I need to spend more time in the word of God. Some of you, and I don't know who you are, so I'm not portraying any conferences, but I, confidences, but I want you to know that you weren't alone because there was more than one. Some of you went so far as to say, I need to spend less time on the screen, less time in front of something that's entertaining, less time goofing off, that's my word, not yours, and more time in the word. This was your response to something that God laid on your heart. This was not me asking you to write those words. And so when I read them and then reread them, they began to speak to me about this feeling that I have that the only way that we can ever be prepared for God to move in the micro, in your daily routine, or in the macro through a movement that is more corporate is for us to be in the word and to pray Which leads me to my second confession. This has never been easy for me. I've mentioned it before in sermons. I pray, I read my Bible. It has never been easy for me to feel like I was as deep as maybe I could be. In fact, God tends to speak the most to me when I'm preparing for messages. I don't know why he chooses to do that, but he does. Amos. You know, that great bastion of theological truth stuck there at the end of the Old Testament that you've read so many times is prophesying. He's from Judah, but God sends him to the northern kingdom of Israel to speak to the people there. And in Amos, God says this, verse, chapter 8, verse 11 through 14. I will read it for you. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. A famine. But not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro and they're going to look for the word of God, but they aren't going to find it. In that day, the beautiful virgins or young women and the young men are going to faint from thirst. This is a spiritual thirst he's talking about. As for those who swear by the guilt of Samaria, who says, As your God lives and as the way of Beersheba lives, they will fall and not rise again. God sent Amos to Israel to speak several things. One of them is this from chapter 8. The people in that day, if we read just a few verses before, were more interested in being busy about making money and being entertained and going about their everyday behavior than they were about the word of God. If you back up just into into chapter 8 a little bit, you will read that. They were, in fact, if I could paraphrase what Amos, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is accusing them of, they were anxious for church to get out on Sunday so they could get back to their regular lives. This is where they were at spiritually, okay? And so God says to Amos in verse 11 that a famine is going to come. We know famine is a lack of food, but it's not one where they can't find food. They would have really been panicked about that because they were so used to being full and enjoying their, their life. But a famine where their souls are going to be dried up. where the next generation, the young men and the young women, are going to be looking for something substantive from those who have gone before them, from their elders, and they will not be able to give them an answer about what it is that they should be satisfied with. The thirst will be there, but they will not find the water. They would be looking for the word of God to move them, but it's not going to happen. They will have created their own spiritual dehydration. And I read those words this week. And if you think that I've just vomited a whole bunch of thoughts on you for the last half hour, imagine how I've felt for this week because that's what I've been mixing around in my brain. And I read those words. And all I could think was, last night as I was going over them again, I don't know when and how and if and to what extent God wants to move in me or anybody else, and I'm not going to tell him what to do. But I don't want to contribute to my own spiritual dehydration. And I read your responses here, many of you. And I sense that God has been saying to many of you, not that you would have put it in those words maybe, but to many of you, how serious are you about me moving when you know where you spend your priorities of time, etc.? I have failed many times at this in my life. But here's one thing I know about being thirsty. The thirsty man ought not get out of the water. He needs to go deeper into it. I want to take advantage of what another prophet said, Isaiah speaking through the power of God in Isaiah 55 where he says, hey, everybody that is thirsty, come to the water and drink. And as I said, I don't really know what else to encourage us to do because I don't know what God might be up to other than turn us back to the word and prayer. I want what Jesus said. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink because as the scriptures have said, he who comes to me from his innermost being will flow streams of living water. Now, we're gonna end in just a minute and you might say to yourself, wow, this is a really interesting message. I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, that's okay. What I'm about to suggest to you is not an attempt to structure something extra spiritual into your life. This is going to be something you and God have to decide, okay? And it is also not an attempt to formulate something so that we can just say we're doing something. It's not that either. But Lent is coming upon us. It starts in a week and a half. The first Sunday of Lent is two weeks from today. And I got to thinking about these responses and the cry of my own heart. And I thought, what if during Lent, instead of giving something up, which is not particularly our tradition maybe, but a lot of people do it as a way of sacrificing, uh, showing some some self-discipline and focusing on the sacrifice of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what God is calling you to do. But what if besides that, what if we took something on? During the six weeks of Lent. What if, just for the six weeks, people who feel the Lord saying to them, You're thirsty for the wrong stuff, you're not going to be satisfied, as we sang earlier unless you get back into my word. What if those of us who feel that just said for the six weeks we were willing to commit to reading the Bible faithfully every day or as many days as we possibly can. Things might come up, but as many days as we possibly can. And in that time to praying, not for a list, But just that God would show us stuff in His Word that's about Him. What if? And what if for the five or six Sunday nights during Lent, this room was available to you not to come in for a prayer meeting? I've been doing prayer meetings on and off for 15 years. I don't want a meeting. I know how I turn into when there's a meeting going on. It's not, I mean, oh boy. Some of you have been through them with me. Bless your hearts. (sighs) Not a prayer meeting. What if this room was just open for people who at the start of the next week wanted to come in and just spend some time talking to God? A place maybe where we would have some Music a little bit, just softly in the background, maybe a few questions for us to be pondering, but no discussion really, nothing planned. Just you come in and you sit down or you kneel or you do whatever God's speaking to you to do and you just reflect on what he is doing and what he's up to and what he's been showing you in the word. And maybe you stay for an hour and maybe you stay for 15 minutes and and, and maybe you have a conversation about something that God has shown you that week. Maybe you come in and say, you know what? I said I was going to read my Bible every day this week and I didn't do it. Will you pray for me? James says, confess your sins one to another. What if we just did that for six weeks Kinlaw again from Asbury in 1970 said that right before their revival happened, and I'm not saying that because I think God wants to move here like He did there. It just it struck me as interesting that there were groups of students who had just taken on a 30-day challenge to do that very thing—to pray and read their Bible every day—and that was pretty much what they were going to do. What if we took something on during Lent? Now, some of you may be sitting here this morning. This seems completely foreign to you. You're not even sure why you came to church this morning. Maybe it was a 50-50 proposition about whether or not you were going to get here. I don't know about you. I don't know. But maybe the other half of this would be for you, especially if that has not been your pattern or your tradition, or maybe you're not even sure where you stand with God. Would you be willing to at least say, if he wants to do something if he wants to show me something if he wants to speak to me I'm willing to try to enter into that space I'm not saying that you have to I'm not saying that I'm going to require it of you or that I'm going to take a congregational poll every week. I'm not saying that I'm going to take attendance on Sunday nights or that you would even be able to make it here every Sunday night or that you'll be able to follow through completely like you want. But what I don't wanna do is contribute to our own spiritual dehydration. Are you with me? What if we took on something during lent i'm going to be brutally blunt with you this morning i don't really care if you do or not i'm going to do it you do whatever god tells you to do if you are interested in doing that perhaps you have a rhythm that you already follow to read your bible maybe you're in it right now maybe you're going great fantastic This won't be a big adjustment for you. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have a rhythm that you follow, but you just haven't been following it, right? You know, it's like the treadmill nine months after Christmas. It's there, but we just don't know what we're doing with it, okay? Maybe, but maybe you don't know, or maybe you need some structure and some pattern. If you want that, there is a study that is part of this discipleship process that I've been looking at, that is just a read through the Gospels. I was talking with my prayer group about this this week. It's just a read through the Gospels. It's a booklet that has a reading for every day from one of the Gospels. It works from Matthew all the way through John. It takes 90 days to do it, but we would focus first just on the portion of Lent. And if you need something to help kickstart you in that direction, we can provide these books for you. There's a little teaching video that goes with every day. There's a reading. And the whole session focuses on the commands of Jesus. What is Jesus in the gospels about following him? Because I can tell you, God's never going to move in your life if you don't, aren't willing to obey him when he does. So if you need that little bit of help, or if you're watching at home this morning, you say, I could use that, something that every day was putting just a chapter of the Word of God in front of me and telling me, helping me reflect on it and asking him to speak. Pastor Daryl that I've been working with, who has helped write some of the materials that we're using in some of our discipleship process, some of you used his 50 Days in the Bible material already. He put this together. We've adapted it for our church. You can have it. We've got to get them. We've got to order them. We've got to have them ready for in two weeks, so I would need to know. But if it would help you, then you can have them. Or maybe you already know a way that you can do that on your own. You don't need some outside resource. That's fine. So here's what we're going to do before the children's church workers strangle me. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads. We're going to pray, okay? And I am going to invite you to think about this. I want you to think back over the last 40 minutes or so. And I want you to think about whether or not anything that I have said has resonated with you. Whether you're at home watching or whether you're in the room. And by resonated, I mean, has God pricked you somewhere? I don't know. Maybe he hasn't. I can preach to myself. That's okay too. But if he has, and if you are willing for the six weeks of lent to say i want more of jesus i want whatever it is that he wants to do and again for some of you this might be a brand new step and you're not even what six months, weeks of reading my bible i can't even you know i i, man, I can't even meal plan for a week how am i going to do six weeks of reading my bible but if you're at least willing to say for the weeks of lent i'm going to add into my routine just asking god to do whatever he wants in me and i'm going to try to do that by reading the bible And I'm going to try to do that by just listening to him in prayer. If you are willing, if anything that I have said over the last half hour or 40 minutes has pricked you in your heart and you're saying, nope, I need to do that. And I suspect there are some of you because I read the cards from a couple of weeks ago. I want to invite you to do something very simple. It's not embarrassing, but it is an action. While we're not really looking around and paying attention to anybody else, I'm going to ask you to stand just right where you are. Trust me, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to say your name or wave at me or do anything else. Just stand up right where you are because I have a prayer, a benediction from scripture that I want to pray over us. And if you're willing to be a part of that and God is speaking to you about it, then just go, go ahead and stand up. If you're at home and you're joining us in on this. You can respond to that. There's a way you can respond online. You can mention it in the comments, whatever you want to do. But friends, I refuse to contribute to my own spiritual dehydration. And I don't think I'm there. I just don't want to get there. Does that make sense? Now, we're going to end with this benediction in just a second. And if you aren't standing, I want you to know I'm not taking inventory of you this morning. I, you do wherever God is moving you. That, I just want you to be genuine with him. But if you would like to utilize what this, this challenge that we're going to be doing, and I'm going to actually be preaching on these commands of Jesus during Lent, is called the Obedience Challenge. That's, that's the, the topic of the booklet. If you would like to use that as a resource, we want to get them in your hands. So today before you leave, take one of those response cards or offering envelopes that are in the pew there and just write the word obey on it and put it in the plates that are on the table when you leave this morning back at the back of the auditorium and, I, and we will count them only to know how many booklets we need to have on hand. If you're watching from home, you can type the word obey into the comments of Facebook or, or onto the YouTube link or you can go to hudsonwesley.org respond and use that form. We want to have booklets available to you. But maybe God has some other way he wants to use that six weeks for you to do. We are going to pray. My friends, all that I want is not to convince God to move among us. I just want to be ready for whatever he wants to do. And the only way that I know to do it is to go to the word and to prayer. And for the six weeks of Lent starting two weeks from tonight, I'm going to have this church building open every Sunday night. And to the best of my ability, I will be here praying. And if you want to come pray, then you come pray. Friends, while you are listening, hear these words. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not really bread and all of your wages for things that don't really satisfy you? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies that have been shown to david seek the lord while he may be found call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the lord and he will have compassion on him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon you for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are my ways your ways my ways declares the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I have sent it For you will go out with joy and you will be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. My friends, wherever he's at is where I want to be. those in this room you see those at home and you have seen our hearts so we are asking you to be faithful to us once again help us to be faithful to you speak to us over these coming six weeks through your word and as we make an effort to discern what you want to do And when you tell us to go, and when you tell us to speak, and when you tell us to submit and to confess and to change our ways, then all of that we will say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. And at the end of it all, we will say, hallelujah, for I have found him who my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings, and through his blood I now am saved. Bless us with your grace and your peace. May we ever live to please you, our Lord. We pray in Christ's name. My friends, I just want to remind you that if you would like to use that obedience challenge as part of this process, just take one of those cards or those envelopes. Write obedience on it. If you need two of them for your family, write the number two. Put them in the offering plates on your way out of the room this morning. We will get you copies of that booklet, okay? We will make it available to you. But we need to get them ordered, so let, it, let me know today. If you're online, you can do the same thing. May the Lord bless you as you go on your way. You are dismissed. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at HudsonWesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.